at golf, and let me tell you why. I'm Avery Dovsik, your host of the Why You Suck at Golf podcast. Thanks for hopping into another episode, or if you're new, I hope you enjoy. Today, we have a great guest. His name is Ryan Ruffles. He's a professional golfer on the Corn Ferry Tour, and he's going to share his experience on what his first year on the tour looked like during the pandemic, a little bit about his star sister, Gabriella Ruffles, and just kind of what's going on in his life right now and what his goals look like for 2021. But before we hear from Ryan, let's hear from Anchor. I have Ryan Ruffles on the line, professional golfer on the Corn Ferry Tour. How are we doing again? Because the first time we recorded this, the audio sucked. What a disaster. <laughs> but yeah, we're back and doing well again. <laughs> <laughs> Happy to hear it. Um, I said before, you're not the first Australian on the podcast. Evan Priest kind of beat you to it. Yeah. But we're happy to yeah, hear it. I can't believe uh, Priestley's been on the podcast. I I know him pretty well. Obviously, playing some golf. He normally covers us Australians. But yeah, good to know that I'm the second one on here and hopefully the most interesting. <laughs> so how did your past season go on the Corn Ferry Tour? I know it was your first year. Yeah, uh, a bit of a strange year. Obviously, it's been a strange year for everyone with coronavirus. Um, started out in the Bahamas early in the year and got off to a pretty good start. Um and then everything kind of stopped. What was it, like mid-February, early March? Uh, everything kind of stopped for us for about four months. We had a big break. And then once we got going again in June, it was nonstop. It was like 17 events in 18 weeks. And it was hectic. And you go from playing no golf to playing more golf than you ever played in your life. So, uh, yeah, it's been crazy. I think I'm about 60th on the order of merit. Um, but no PGA Tour cards are getting given out this year. So it's kind of it was, it was a weird year in terms of playing as well because you're you know what you're playing for and you know it's a long season over two years and that these points matter, but also not having like that urgency because you can't get a PGA Tour cut at the end of the year. So, yeah, it's been strange, but I think if you're a golfer on the Corn Ferry Tour, you've probably had it better than a lot of people around the world at the moment. That's a great way to look at it. What tournament did you play the best at? Yeah, in Omaha this year, I kind of, uh, I don't like to say it, but threw one away um i had i think i led after round one round two round three and most of round four until like the 70th hole and then made uh bogey on 16 and then somebody else made a birdie and then end up losing by one um which was a bit of a yeah that was disappointing that took me a few days to get over because it just you work so hard and you get that close to really pushing your chances for a pj to a card even closer um and for it to just come up a bit short like that is just a bit frustrating, but you know, that's part of the game we play. It's part of sport, and uh, we'll have another crack at it when I get the chance. If you don't mind me asking, how do you handle? Again, it's not a loss because you still did phenomenal, but a loss in your mind. How do you handle that? Do you grind at the range? Do you take maybe a day off from golf, or what does that look like? For yeah, you? it's a good question because the last thing I wanted to do when I stepped off the course after that, I knew it had just happened. I had like a 30-foot birdie putt in the last to force a playoff, hit a great putt, just missed. And I obviously shattered because of, I was basically there. I had one foot through the door and then just shut it on myself a bit. Um, but, yeah, the last thing I wanted to do was talk to anyone. I didn't want to talk to my coach, didn't want to talk to my sports psych, didn't want to talk to mom and dad. But I think the most important thing I could do in that moment was to call those people. And while the emotions were still a bit raw, still fresh, to let them know what I was feeling, how I felt out on the course, what I'm feeling now, because they're experiences that you can definitely learn from. And so I made I made a point mm -hmm. that as soon as I got home, back to the hotel, um, that I needed to call my sports psych, I needed to call my coach, I needed to call mom and dad and let them know, hey, look, this is what I felt out there today. I started with the lead. I had the lead all day. And this is what happened at the end. 
because it's important to document so when we're in that position again uh further down the road that it's not i haven't lost or i haven't uh wasted it at last time that it's all been put in the bank we're all aware of it um and we can keep moving forward from there what does the work you do with your sports psychologist look like um i've always wanted to work with a golf specific one but Give us a better image. Yeah, of that. so he's a what you'd call a mental performance coach, I think, over a sports psychologist, so to speak. The trouble that I used to find with sports psychologists is that it's like applied science, I guess, and it makes very practical sense in terms of science and what it means and understanding the brain and everything. But as an as an athlete, it sometimes didn't feel that applicable. Like it was very hard to because your brain's such a unique thing, like it's very hard to be thinking about, oh, what your brain waves are doing or how you're trying to control different thoughts. Like I've always responded to stuff that's a lot more athletic, a lot more free flowing, not as strict and rigid than that. So I use Jamie Glazier as his name. He's Australian, but he works a lot in the United States. Um, He's a mental performance coach. And we go through a lot of kind of processes that get me prepared for a tournament or prepared to hit a shot as opposed to like pre-shot routines and um, stuff like that. So I'll go through like pre-round, like I think the last 10 minutes before I come off the range or my last shot that I hit on the range and teeing off, I spend like a six or seven minutes doing like a little meditation session that I do because I always mm. thought those last five or 10 minutes before I tee off are normally wasted. I'm normally scrolling through my phone or texting someone. I was like, that's probably a pretty important time. Um, to target so we implemented a little bit of a meditation session that I do there just to get me in a good frame of mind before I tee off Um, I also do quite a bit of journaling Um, so from day to day I can document how I feel how things went what I'm practicing and just stuff like that just get your mind clear sorted uh, and ready to go I'm not so much into like I said before I don't want to be over the ball and be in a pressure situation. And I'm like, okay, I've got to make two practice swings and then I've got to look at the target once. And then like, I don't, I'm a bit more athletic. I try and approach things a bit more athletically than that. Like if I want to take two or I want to take four practice swings, I want to do it. Um, Whatever makes me feel comfortable, not uh, so much be locked into like a, a routine. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, there's times where I set up to a ball and it just doesn't feel right. I back off. And that would probably go against what a lot of coaches um, teach, you know, make sure you, like you said, look twice at the flag, look down, look yeah. back, and test I, I, the wind. Like, I always thought, your body can calculate all yeah, that. Sorry. And I always thought, like, I feel more uncomfortable if I'm locked into a routine than if I just take as many swings as I need to feel comfortable or take as many looks I need to feel comfortable. That feels better to me than, like, all right, I've taken my two practice swings, I've taken my one look, and I've taken my one waggle, and now I get to hit it. It's like, no, that's not how I how I like to do things. Does your caddy um, kind of get the way you think now, or how does he help you calm down maybe after a rough shot, or does he work with your mental performance coach yeah, as well? Yeah, so I, I, I think it's very important at, as a professional golfer that your caddy is very integrated in your team. So my especially for me, it's a bit of more of a unique case because most of my team's back home in Australia. So I think it's super important that my caddy knows what I'm trying to work on with my coach so he can be a second set of eyes for me when my coach can't be here or when Mm -hmm. things go a bit rough out on course, but then also know what we're working towards and at uh, from a mental point of view as well. So he can keep me in check. He can kind of relay those messages back to my team because at, at, 
you're, we're all pretty emotional when we're on the golf course. I think it's fair to say we react to bad shots and react to good shots and we get more nervous mm-hmm. over some wins or other wins. And, you know, um, so I think it's good to have an unbiased opinion, somebody who's looking at you kind of from an outsider's perspective, be able to relay those messages onto the people that are looking after your stuff. Um, so then you can get pretty honest feedback, not just your feedback from an emotional standpoint. Yeah, absolutely. Well, speaking of mental stuff, and clearly you need a mental break, <laughs> which is what you're doing right now. Um, but what is your off season looking like, or what are you up to down in Orlando? Yeah, so like I said, I'm pretty bored at the moment. The first couple of weeks, I don't normally take this much time off golf. But I've taken about a week and a half, and I think I'll take another week or so. Um, but then my coach gets down here um, for the first time in nearly a year. Um, so that'll be really good for us to spend some time together, much needed. I've kind of been fixing stuff as we go on the road. So it'd be nice to get some really good solid work in and get building towards next year. Um, spending a lot of time in the gym, my trainer is from Australia, but also lives in Orlando. So we can get in the gym every single day, which is really productive, eating very healthy. I just like, you know, to put the good habits back in place that you kind of lose on the road. You can get a bit lazy when you travel so many weeks, you kind of, you start looking for food late at night because you got an early tea time and you eat poor food or you get a bit tired. You don't want to train. Like um, it's nice to get back into routine, back into some good habits and then obviously enjoy some time off too. Like I, th- I think we're going to go skiing towards the end of the year. My family lives in California, so I'll spend some time over there. Um, yeah. All sorts of stuff. Try and be 22 for a little bit. What are some of your on course favorite snacks? I know that's a weird question, but I've never asked anybody that and we don't really catch a bunch of players eating. Like, yeah. <laughs> obviously, that's not what we're focused on. Uh, my go-tos are beef jerky. I eat a lot of beef jerky out on course. Um, I think that's mm-hmm. an easy one. It doesn't go bad in the bag. It stays pretty much how it is. Good protein. Um, uh, peanut butter and jelly sandwiches I eat quite a bit. Um, I pack a lot of nuts and trail mixes. And then for drinks, I'm always putting, like, the noon electrolyte tablets into drinks um just to keep electrolytes mm-hmm. up and water gets just a bit like you drink enough bottles of water it just starts to get a bit nothing so it just adds a little bit of flavor but those are generally my go-tos any sort of yeah fruit and nut mix and then peanut butter and jellies and um beef jerky is normally kind of where i'm at i feel that on the water i drink a gallon a day like yeah. that's like my thing right now i my hydro flask comes everywhere with me i look oh, like good. a psychopath it's awesome um well when your off season ends what is the next year going to look like yeah 2021 is going to be still a bit weird um i'm sure i think we'll see how things continue on with the coronavirus and everything but from what i'm hearing there'll still be stuff that we have to do and i'm sure we're going to still get tested every week and everything um but in terms of where we're looking towards the end of 2021 they will be giving out pga tour cards so that's a big goal at the end there to get my first PGA Tour card and to start my career out there. Um, we are meant to start in the Bahamas, but who knows if that's going to happen. I think Tiger's event was just cancelled in the Bahamas in December, which if there's any event that they probably could run, it's that one. So that doesn't really hold us in good stead for hosting the Corn Ferry Tour there in January. So who knows, it could be till February till we start up again. But yeah, when we start up, it's going to be a bit of a race to the finish now we've all kind of jockeyed up we're in position we've got our a fair number of points already um and now we're just yeah kind of working towards how we're best going to 
uh, approach trying to get a PJ Tour card for 2021 as as a rookie. It's probably not a bad thing that this happened because you play all these courses for the first time in your rookie mm-hmm. season, um, but now you get to play them for a second time next year uh, in the same season. So if there's any little benefit to it all, that's it. And I'll be able to pick and choose a few more courses that I like versus some that I don't quite like as much. That's a great perspective to look at it. I think that's all you like all you can look at it like because you know obviously we can't control it and hopefully that it resumes as planned but let's shift gears a little bit and since you do play professional golf I want to talk about what you might change on tour yeah I think um like we mentioned before I think I played the Zurich Classic uh a couple of years as a team event I played with Carl Stanley and Jason Day as my partners and I think that was a really it is a really good initiative by the PGA Tour to get things kind of moving in a different direction. I think we see so many stroke play events every year at the same courses, and that's great. And I love stroke play, and I love seeing these historic venues and everything. But I think as a golf fan or just an average golf fan who's not a professional golfer themselves, I think it's great to see something different like a team event where guys have to work together, where guys have to um, play each other's ball or respond to each other's shot because we're so selfish as professional golfers because you have to be. Um, everything you do is for yourself basically throughout the year. Every, your trainer helps you get stronger. Your coach helps you swing it better. Your sports psychologist helps you think better. You've got to eat and train for yourself and travel for yourself. I mean, it's just so much about yourself. And then all of a sudden you get put with a teammate. I think it's quite interesting to see how professional golfers handle that. So that's one. They make it quite, um, they make it quite appealing with like the walk up music uh, on hole one, which you never see grandstands around quite a few of the greens or like $1 beers or someone. So and I think anything pushing the envelope a little bit, making things just a little bit more for a younger crowd. Because I think a lot of, for a long time, it's been, uh, golf's definitely been geared towards older people. And I think that's starting to change. Uh, so I think anything that pushes the envelope a bit more towards yeah, directing it towards a younger crowd. That might be the way we dress as golfers, style, shorts, and whatever else. And then also just different formats every now and again to change things up. So you kind of want it to be ran like the waste management. I think way. it's fun. <laughs> I, I think that's or, exciting for people. Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah. Yeah, I think it makes it an event and something to look forward to. I think there's a time and a place for it to be very serious. But I think, especially in this pandemic, I can think of a number of friends who took up the sport. And I think the only way to keep them in it is to open up those conversations. Okay, like, can we allow shorts? Can we have music? Like, let's make this a real people event. Yeah, for sure. You know? I mean, I, I don't know any of my mates that, that aren't golfers that would come out and play if they had to dress in long pants and tuck their shirt in and wear belts and uh, make sure they have golf shoes on. Like, I think I don't think there's anything wrong with, like, starting to change and move along the road of where things are going just in society this is how kids that are my age younger this is how they dress they want to be comfortable when they go they're sure there's got to be some limits like you can't just do whatever you want but i think as i think golf style is just going to continue to evolve a little bit and places and the pj tour and golf courses have to start to be open to that i think music's awesome anything that gets people out there having a good time um I mean, every other sport, basically other than golf and tennis, play with commotion going on the entire time. Um, mm-hmm. It's quite 
odd to have a sport where everything goes still right as you hit. Um, but I guess I'm probably not a golf purist, so to speak. So I'm very much open to all of that. But hopefully, yeah, hopefully things move in that direction because I think that's the only way to keep younger people in it. Let's throw a different avenue into it. Would you think that betting between players, like if it was known to the public, do you think that'd be a cool yeah, that's something aspect of it? That would be cool. I mean, I, I, don't, I think they're starting – I think it's really cool what they started. Was it last week that I think they did it? They did like live betting from like a fan's perspective on the golf. Um, I think that's mm. a really cool avenue to go for because golf's one of the few sports that there's so much time in between shots. So like odds can be developed between um, shot to shot and give you different odds for say hitting the green, missing the green or um, – yeah, making a putt, missing a putt, hitting in a bunker, not hitting in a bunker. Like, there's so many live odds, and I think they're starting to try and get into that market a little bit. In terms of from player to player, I don't know. I think golfers generally play for enough money with the purse that there's uh, <laughs> that there's That's probably true. enough there to keep us interested. Um, but, yeah, I think what they're doing, I think the betting part of it in general is awesome, and I think – the PJ two is starting to see that potential and kind of going down that road a little bit. Yeah. Maybe it would get too rowdy if the players were betting amongst each other's Maybe that's not the case. (laughs) Um, So your sister and the rest of your family is currently in California. Obviously you have a pretty good relationship with her as it seems from what you post on social media. Also very successful in the golf world. Uh, Can you talk a little bit? Yeah. Gabby's obviously hell of a golfer. She hasn't been at it quite as long as I have. Um, not that I'm over the hill yet or anything, but she's a bit younger. Um, she's done phenomenal. She obviously won the US Amateur, uh, was it last year? Yeah, last year. And then came runner up this year. And she also had a top 15 in a major uh, a few weeks back. So no, she's doing awesome. Um, we have a great relationship. We definitely push each other very, very hard. Uh, ever since we've been younger with my parents being professional tennis players, it's kind of always been instilled in us that we've got to work very hard push and not really and kind of be a little bit relentless when um we're going after what we want so we've kind of had that in us from a very long time anything we set our mind to we go at it a hundred percent and we don't even really bother with it uh and i think that's great we any time that i start playing well you'll see her start to play well i'm sure and vice versa anytime she gets on a run i generally push myself that little bit harder just because i don't want to be uh, left behind I don't want to be the second best ruffles so um, there's definitely plenty of sibling rivalry I guess so to say but because we're obviously I play men's and she plays women's there's not so much like a direct rivalry um, but yeah there's no doubt that we push each other and we go have a great relationship because of it that's amazing. I have one last question for you in honor of the podcast name. Why do you think most people suck? The at reason golf? I think most people suck at golf is because I reckon they come into it thinking that all mo- or they look at most golfers and they think we're fat and unathletic and have no chance at any, have no chance <laughs> at any other sport. Um, and they think that golf will be easy because of that. And they come into it and realize how hard it is. So I think they've got no patience and no understanding of quite how hard golf is. <laughs> I agree. I agree. Well, thank you so much for hopping on the podcast. And I wish you the best of luck. Thank you very the much. I appreciate you having me on.
Huge thanks to Ryan for hopping on. Ryan is actually a friend of mine. He lives in Orlando um, primarily, and that's where we caught up when I worked there for work a couple summers ago. And he also lives in California. That's where his parents are currently located. But it was awesome to sit down and chat with him on a professional level on kind of what his life is looking like and what's in store for him. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, please rate the podcast five stars. Give me a follow on Instagram or any social media at Avery underscore Dovsek. That's A-V-E-R-E-E underscore D-O-V-S-E-K. Thanks for tuning in to another episode and we'll see you next time.